0: Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Cybersecurity Cafe Podcast. The last for 2020. Wouldn't that be a relief to have this 2020 done with? Today I'm going to be joined by one of my oldest and dearest colleagues, Craig Templeton. Craig's going to be co-hosting with me as we cover and do a wrap-up of the sit summit. In its fifth year, those volunteers have done an amazing job. And for those of you that don't know what SIT stands for, it's Security, Influence and Trust. And this one is all about disruption. Awareness is dead, we're moving to disrupt, is apparently the plan. Before we get started, a very special thanks to my colleagues at Cyber Risk for sponsoring the podcast God, they've had a pretty exciting time lately. They just got awarded 19th place in the CRN Fast 50. Don't we love it when Australian companies, cybersecurity companies, do really well? That's what we want to see. Getting fostering our talent in Australia. The other thing is that they're one of NoBefore's resellers. And of course, NoBefore just took out a global award for one of the best influence and awareness products. So that's exciting. So stay with us as we jump into the SIT Summit wrap-up. Hey, Craig. So much fun to have you as a co-host.
1: Thanks very much, Beverly.
0: Oh, look, my pleasure. We've tried to catch up a few times, haven't we? Indeed. But SIT's a great opportunity to to do that. So let's just jump straight into it. You know, tell me about who is SIT.
1: We started about 2016. In fact, well, it was probably the year before that. In 2015, a bunch of us were sitting under the Sofitel Hotel in Melbourne in a cafe thinking, you know, we're probably all solving the same problems together. But it doesn't make a lot of sense that we're solving them in slightly different ways. So um, that's really when the idea was born that we should really be collaborating a bit more broadly so that it doesn't matter whether or not you go into the bank or the grocery store or the post office or the telephone shop and get slightly different advice. So um, that was, uh, that's, that's how the group was born, Security, Influence and Trust. I mean, basically we're a community of people that believe that collaboration, consistent messages and simple actions are key. To helping people protect themselves in the digital world and simplicity is really something that we're, we're striving for um, and we're also doing it in a way that benefits everybody through using industry professionals that have actually got a history of building um aware you know, security aware cultures within organizations so we we tend to know what works and what doesn't work um, and through that collaboration we you know hope to develop strategies that can actually um, enable people to not only help themselves in their organizations, but also take that into their personal lives as well. Yeah,
0: look, these practitioners, you know, everybody gives up their time, which is fantastic, but they see what's working on their audiences and it's a fantastic opportunity to amplify all those messages, right? So what makes SIT different from other conferences?
1: Yeah, so when we initially came up with the idea of the summit, we very much wanted it to be a practical and hands-on experience. So that means that we have a heavy workshop element to it, that anything that gets developed or ideas that come out of SIT, you can actually action the following Monday morning within your own business. What that actually ended up leading to was a number of campaigns that had national prominence um, across Australia over the following three to four years where we actually collaborated as an industry partner with some of the government initiatives from eSafety and Stay Smart Online. And we actually developed some of those key messages so that we could promote those um, across every organisation in Australia in a consistent fashion. Again, going back to one of the core purposes of SIC Group, which is consistency. and um, No matter what organisation you're engaging with or what service that you are, you're, you're seeking, whenever it comes to Being safe online, we are giving that consistent message because I think one of the challenges that we have is that um, everybody's got a slightly different approach. We're bombarded by different advice all the time. And I think that, you know, whenever people are getting different messages, they either tune out or they just don't know what to do.
0: And this empowering message is really important where people just don't feel that level of apathy where they're saying, what can I do about this? These practitioners are all helping people understand. These are the step necessary steps that you need to take, and we know that this works to keep you safe online. I want to just jump to from the previous years, Craig. You know, this one's a big milestone. It's five.
1: Yeah, we never it's thought like, we'd. Uh, we never thought we'd make it to five. <laughs> we always hoped, but you never. You never know how these things go, especially when you're working. As a group of volunteers, I mean, we're ostensibly doing this off the side of our desks on top of the day job. So to maintain that consistency across five years has actually been pretty remarkable, even though we've had some new people come in, which is great. Um, some people have, have moved on as well um, in the personal lives and in their careers. So it's we're, we're getting some regeneration now within the group, which is fantastic.
0: And how many members have you got in SIT?
1: Do you know what? We actually have never done a count. Um, we have... I'd say regularly about 150 to 175 uh, people that we communicate yeah. with. Yeah, it varies, um, and I think it really we get a lot more engagement when we are undertaking activities. And then, but I'd say that there are definitely gaps in between initiatives um, that we're involved with simply because they said this is voluntary and and um, you know that there's a tax there that you have to um, you have to bear as well. So I think that there are definitely key events throughout the year that we come together um, and then we get tremendous amount of engagement and usually we see an uptick in, in activity. But it is difficult um, whenever you're not full-time with the resources uh, behind you to kind of maintain that sort of momentum.
0: But if you talk to... So I've had the opportunity on the podcast to talk to lots of global people about cyber influence and cyber awareness. You know, Lance Spitzner, Masha Sadova... Um, Dr. Jess Barker, they all rave about how great Sit is and how wonderful it is as a as a as a case study for how this how this level of collaboration works. Right? Hey, um, I think it's a good chance to just dive in a little because I observed the conference, and I think we could have a chat about a couple of key things like. Stage kings, Jeremy did an amazing job of telling us how you can disrupt. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, look, that was a real coup for us this year and fantastic effort by the organising committee to actually get um, someone like Jeremy to open the conference. So this year we had to go virtual like everybody else is doing um, because of the the pandemic. And um, for that reason, we couldn't have a workshop element so we thought well you know what could we do to to maintain the high level of um the high standard that we've always had in terms of speakers and content at the at the organization and then the uh the idea was like well hey uh, the stage kings are really the one of the success stories of a, of an organization that really had to think differently so it wasn't about the technology that they had because they, you know, they have got a lot of advanced equipment to make all of the stages for the live events that they uh that that, that that they um use. So uh it was more around the thought process that they went through in terms of well if live entertainment as an industry has basically shut down overnight and that's the single income stream, like what would a company like that do? And um, You know, the story is remarkable where the, you know, the idea came around pivoting into work from home furniture and that sort of ballooned from there. So it very much sort of followed the philosophy of SIT Group, which is you can have all the technology you like in the world, but, you know, there is a thought process that people go through when they're under pressure, Um, whether that's dealing with digital risk, cybersecurity or pandemics that impact your company. You, you know, it's 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 one of those pivotal moments. So we thought, well, what a great story to tell and open the conference with, to say, look, here's here's something that an organisation and, a, frankly, a family business had to undergo under duress and, like, look at the outcome that they've had. So, like, what could we learn from that uh, as an industry?
0: And I think we learned a lot. I really enjoyed a couple of things that I took away from it was, how much people got behind them. You know, they were really authentic about telling people what had transpired and that they just weren't going to have a business. And as they pivoted into creating work from home equipment, people not only bought a desk from them, but they bought everything else from them as well that they possibly could. And they just got this magic support behind them, which I think really was very deserving. But the products are high quality.
1: Yeah. So they had, you know, they had the technical capability behind them, but they still needed the idea and the thought process. And I think one of the key takeaways from Jeremy's keynote at the summit this year was don't rule anything out. Act quickly. And, and be decisive. Uh, so what could we take away from that in terms of cybersecurity and you know protecting our organizations and, uh, and ourselves online? And I think that quite often we're too quick to rule things out, to go, oh, well, that would never work and that's a silly idea sort of thing. And I think what Jeremy demonstrated was actually sometimes things will fly. And one of the most important things for people to learn here was to really get to market quickly and test out your ideas. And I think that we obsess a lot about process compliance and doing the right thing before we actually sort of put pen to paper or, or, you know, want to launch a product or initiative. But there is a case to say, let's try and sweep away some of that bureaucracy if it's possible and to, to move quickly and to test your ideas in the market with your audience to see what works and what doesn't work.
0: And that's all about risk maturity, isn't it? You know, If you're ready to take some risks, you can really get some great rewards. Just moving on. So next up, we had Olivia Grandjean Thompson. You know, her message really was, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, and really used a good example of Cinch's messages. Which was really about just very simple and effective communication.
1: Yeah, and I think there's there's a trap that the cyber industry falls into, which is the jargon and the lingo that they use and the notion that somehow you need to educate people into being cybersecurity experts. But the reality is that you need to tell a story that people can relate to in a language that they understand and give them very simple steps that they can take. And as long as people believe that that's achievable and they can do it, then, you know, you're going to get some traction. I think some of the mistakes that I see within my own industry is that we we try to turn people into cyber experts and that's actually not what we, what we need to do.
0: Yeah, look, that humanise your message and use case studies absolutely translates into that, doesn't it? Chrissy Wilson talked about coverage and hunting for change in treasure and really talked about using treasure hunts to get cyber evangelists engaged. Are you doing any of that?
1: We're not doing something, I would say, as as advanced as evangelists and doing treasure hunts, but we we certainly do engage across our organisation where we try and tap into other parts of our business and try and sort of get some leverage that way. The the team that I run is in the security space is quite small. So we have to use whatever's at our disposal and I think that a lot of organizations uh, would would fall, uh, face the same difficulties. So very much we'll leverage uh, internal comms if we want to reach out to our staff and employees or we'll use our go-to marketing team if we want to reach out to our customers um, and I think that in any business or organization there'll be other teams that you can Engage in a way that they're used to doing and um, in a way that you're, they're used to acting. So they can they know what best suits their audience. So if you can work together around, well, here's the key messages that we're trying to get across and really get them to help build the solution, there's probably going to be a better outcome rather than the security team saying, we'll want you to say it like this.
0: Exactly. And look, these people have been working in the culture of the organization and really understand what gets traction in relation to messaging? So, they're a very, really valuable resource to use. In addition to that, it's that diversity of thought about the sort of things that we want to say. You know, they say it differently, which makes it brilliant. You know, quite often we understand the message we want to get some traction with, but they're very good at helping us convey those messages. To an audience that they already really understand, I think was the key. Hey, um, Ben Docker from Booper um, ran us through. He used the recent Heineken commercial, you know, that showed us that highlighted the importance of adapting to your audience and disrupting your thinking. You know, the girls got the cocktails and the boys got the beers and, of course, they swapped them all around and the girls got the salads and the boys got the hamburgers. And that's really great messaging, even, you know, just to leverage someone else's great campaign to show us how to use those sort of mechanisms in campaigns, right?
1: Yeah, and I really love the way that Ben has, you know, used the approach of personas to try and illustrate up front, you know, the type of audience that he's trying to reach. Uh, and that's, I think, like some great lessons there in terms of know your audience and know your market and then build a persona around that. Uh, and then, you know, it's the same message, but you may deliver it slightly differently depending on who you're talking to.
0: I mean, for a software apps team, they're not the same as someone else that's, you know, building a new application in another part of the business, right? So, yeah, it's about getting that messaging. Then we had a couple of sessions, panel sessions, of course, yours truly featured in this one, which was about understanding your audience, and Jasmine, I think, chatted to you, Liam Connolly and Mark Boehm. Of course, you said, I thought it was great, you know, always start with the why. You know, it's such a great line from Simon Sinek, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's the gift that keeps giving, that line, Um and like it doesn't matter whether it's cybersecurity or brushing your teeth, you know, it's like why am I doing this? Why would I spend the the, the time to speak to you or to to promote your message or even to listen to what you have to say? Yeah. And I think it's a good example of where it doesn't really matter what policy say or what compliance says. You know, they're the things that you do whenever somebody's watching what you're doing. Um, the the true impact here is that people are doing something whenever you're not around to see, and that's one. Then you know that it's actually you know stuck with them, and it's actually a behavior that they're going to adopt.
0: Yeah, look, that's so true. I thought was really interesting because I've been following Masha Sadova's career for quite some time, and of course, she's got to elevate security. And I noticed that Seeker using the hacker's mind. So it was good to good to hear something new, some new tools that people are talking about. I thought that was interesting. And then, of course, we moved to the very clever Kiwis. There's just not one single campaign that I don't love that comes out of New Zealand, right? The Keeping It Real campaign just had some really interesting points in it. You know, they were able to seize the opportunity because kids were going to be online because of COVID. So that kind of really helped them with their business case to get it funded.
1: I love the way the business case didn't include having naked people standing at the front door to deliver the message, which was even more awesome because it was a government (laughs) agency.
0: Yeah. Look, I'm sure, I think Trina Lowry from New Zealand government said that first actually, didn't she? She said, you know, if I told them that that was going to be the case, they probably wouldn't have funded it.
1: But it kind of goes back to what you know. We were talking at up front about Jeremy at Stage Kings, and like sometimes we do overthink things, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, often that's when good ideas get snuffed out. But I think that if we sort of just go, you know, what this might just work. Uh, you know, we can see what 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 types of results um, you know we get whenever we do throw caution to the wind a little bit and say, you know what, let's stick our neck out here. It just might work.
0: Yeah. And what a challenging societal subject. You know, when I worked at the office, for safety, you know, I can see that this is a really challenging subject, right, for teenagers because the, the importance of it was to address the fact that they were going online, to look at pornography to understand You know, so how does this whole sex thing work? And that was the goal, basically, of the ad campaign. And she said that they've had really fantastic traction through what's, you know, societal change. The parents' response was really good. You know, oh, I think we better go and have a chat. So it really highlighted.
1: Yeah, look, and if you looked at how the ad played out, and, you know, for anybody who's listening, they can can check it out on YouTube as well because it's by all by all accounts has gone viral, but it's really relatable. You know, anybody I think watching that could put themselves in the shoes of you know, the parent at the front door and, you know, understand exactly what's going on and in a, in a pretty non-offensive way as well. So again, another <laughs> another example of, you know, regardless of the, the technology that you have you know, and, the, and the filtering that you have, you know, to protect um, kids online, Nothing substitutes having a good conversation and letting kids understand how to manage the risks themselves, and also understand uh, what you know the indicators of risk might be, and how they they can respond and ask for help. So, like whether it's online safety or responding to scammers online or cybersecurity messages in in businesses, it's still the same. Like technology will take you a long way, but you can't legislate for every single. Type of problem that you may encounter. So that's where understanding the indicators and the risks uh, really does land with the individual.
0: Absolutely. And it starts at home. And I thought that was really fantastic as well because, you know, the eSafety office here is always looking to amplify those messages. And, of course, um, SIT's been so involved over the last five years with the eSafety office. I think it's fantastic collaboration, right? Hey, moving on, I think that kind of wraps up the actual conference, unless you've got some other things to add to that. You know, it was a bit of a challenge when you told me you were going to run it on your laptop, and uh you and I laughed and said, well, what could possibly go wrong with that?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, it, I think it was one of those things where it sounded like a good idea at the time, and, you know, to run a conference from your bedroom, like, it's been done, but I, I, as it got closer to the day, you know, when I you, again doing doing your own risk management, you're going right. Well, what's a single point of failure here? Um, and it was me. So uh, luckily, uh, REA Group stepped in at the last second and offered to sponsor the digital platform, which was supplied by Live Crowd, um, who were who are amazing and picked up. With it, eight days to go uh, before the conference started and um, pretty much picked it up and, um, yeah, ran with it. So that was fantastic.
0: They did an absolutely sensational job. You know, I've been online for a lot of conferences this year and they absolutely seamlessly managed it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. A big shout-out to Martha McCain. She did a great job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, great MC. She had to keep everybody on track and on time and we we had a tight schedule, tighter than we usually run uh, whenever we have a live event, but uh it was also compressed into a shorter time sp- space as well. So, yeah. Um, great job from Martha. Are
0: you relieved it's over for this year?
1: Uh, look, every year 24 hours before the the summit, I think. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then after it, I'm going. Oh, it was great. Let's do it again next year. So um, yeah, <laughs> no. I'm kind of in that post summit glow of, oh yeah, we could do that again next year.
0: <laughs> and look, you know, it is that glow, isn't it? It's just hilarious. Um, you just made me laugh when you said that because I think we're all a little bit like that. It went well, and it delivered some fantastic messaging. What do you? What's the summit achieved over the last five years?
1: Yeah, look, good question. We've been involved in a number of initiatives that have had national reach. So, we had Ask Out Loud, which is one of the campaigns we worked with eSafety on. Um, we had the National Scams Awareness Week, Is This For Real? Um, which was another great collaboration. And that's really, and during that, we actually had a Twitter feed, a live Twitter feed that we, we manned effectively and womaned, um, so to speak. So, we were answering live questions online um, during that campaign. And a number of others. So, you know, we've really built upon that sort of idea of a workshop where we go, right, well, it's a safer internet day coming up. Um, You know, what should a national campaign look like and what can we get behind? Because by and large, we all work for organisations that every Australian uses um, day in, day out. So it makes perfect sense that we would have a consistent message across all of those businesses.
0: And we're just getting so much better at doing that deeper customer um, traction in relation to, you know, all those behaviours that they're using at home, they bring back to work. I think that's going really well, especially when you start with why, you know, what's in it for me? Well, we're all part of the digital economy and digital digital resilience and digital education is really important. Hey, so what do you think the future holds for sit?
1: Look, like I think for us, We've now reached a point where we're at a scale that we've got to make a decision in terms of to take it to the next level. We really need to be better organized and have some funding and resources behind us. So I think we've now reached, we've maxed out, like we know we can run a a really successful summit for 150, 200 people any day of the week now. And uh, you know we know how to schedule it, promote it, curate it, get the content, all that sort of stuff. I think it really becomes a question of we if we're still doing this on a voluntary basis, realistically, how big can we go? Or do we partner with other organizations to try and get the scale um, and you know that we would need to to grow a little bit bigger? We've never really been about the numbers in terms of let's have a massive membership. That's never been the that's never been the purpose or the core mission of the of the group. It's always about developing good strategies and giving them away to people to, to use freely. Uh, but that does have limitations about, you know, that your reach and scale that you can have. So I think there's some decisions we need to make over the next three to four months to go right. Well, we either continue as we are being a very, uh, bespoke and specific summit for professionals and practitioners. You know, we, we, we run it ourselves for the benefit of our, of other practitioners, or do we try and scale it up bigger than that? And we haven't. there's no decisions being made in that at the moment.
0: And I think the timing's really interesting. You know, both you and I know from the roles that we're in that you can throw all the tech in the world at it, but we know that, we know that, but now a lot of other people know that now, that we've really got to take this human-centred, Approach right there; they're our strongest link um, to helping us secure our digital assets.
1: I think, and that came out actually out at the conference as well this year, which is there is a a noisy but growing part of the security industry that's saying that it's a completely pointless function, and that you know people will always do things to undermine security, and that there's no benefit in you know explaining to people why they should do something. But I, I really feel that I that couldn't be further from the truth because it's not a question of this being the silver bullet. Nobody who's in this business ever thought that this would be, I uh, would we'll just we'll just explain to people and then they'll just do it because we know that people don't do this. You know, they there's various different belief systems that people have and operate under and um, it's not that simple. So it's it's more around it's a complementary strategy working in unison with a number of other strategies such as technology to get the outcome that you want.
0: That's just flipping an argument for an argument's sake. That's going, oh, it's white, it's black, it's got to be this or it's got to be that. This is part of it and an and important part of it, not all of it, but it's a really essential part of it. Hey, Craig, how do we be part of SIT? Where do we find SIT?
1: So at the minute, we have a website which is sitempowers.com. You can visit us there. And uh, there's a, an about us and a contact us there. We've also got a private LinkedIn group. We're looking at opening up a Slack channel later on next year as well. So I think for now it's LinkedIn and the website.
0: Fantastic. Hey, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Beverly. Look, and it's been such a grueling year for everybody. I think we will just be so pleased to have 2020 done with. But I think it was brilliant that you ran a conference this year. We all love it. More and more people are understanding and appreciating how great it is that everybody's collaborating. So thanks, Craig.
1: Thanks, Beverly.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity Cafe podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter or all the Ws cybersecuritycafe.com.au